So at this time, we want to dismiss our kids ages kindergarten through fifth grade. And so Brenda is right there. Brenda, wave your hand. There you are. If your child has a name tag, they need to be checked in. You can send them with Brenda. And Brenda, after the service, they're going to pick them up right outside these doors right here. They'll be playing and sweating in the field out there. So it'll be great. Um, so Bob is here today. And if you didn't know, this is Bob. And Bob's last Sunday. Cheryl, you'll be here next week. Nope. This is it for them. This is it, and and this has been, um, there, I've, we've said goodbye to a lot of people over the years as we've sent them out, and there are a lot of people from Waukee Community Church doing great things all over this country and the globe, and, uh, and there have been a lot of hard goodbyes. This will be uh, one of the most difficult for me. Uh, Bob is the guy who called me. I remember sitting... Uh, in uh, my the church office down in Indianola, and I got this call from this guy named Bob Stouffer, who I'd never met before, and Bob was the chair of the search team that six months in brought me here, and a, a year before that, God planted in Bob's heart the dream for Waukee Community Church, a place that really, we didn't know the language then, but really exists to live, love, and give like Jesus, to make disciples, and so Bob and Cheryl have been with us since the beginning, and so today, I thought on his last Sunday, it would be fitting if we allowed Bob to bring the Word of God to us to deliver this message and, uh, and to give what's on his heart as he and Cheryl pre- prepare for the next journey and part of their lives. Um, and so I want to pray for you, brother, as we begin. Heavenly Father, I pray today for Bob as he opens up your Word. God, would his words reflect your heart for this body today? And God, as much as we're saddened, we're also celebrating. We always celebrate, God, when you're doing your kingdom work. And the kingdom work of Waukee Community Church now spreads to South Carolina, Lord. And we're grateful that we get to be part of this massive enterprise called the church. And we get the privilege of doing your kingdom work. And so, God, as Bob prepares to bring the message, I pray that you'd give him conviction, conviction, to deliver exactly what you've laid on his heart, and would his words accurately reflect the word of God for our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sure, Clarissa starts praying. Last week I got all weepy. Cheryl was in with the kids, and I was singing. And I was thinking about how important all the people, this church, have been to me for 11 years. I just, Babe must not have ever looked at me because... I literally could not hardly sing because I was weeping. So then Jane brings a present to us, and I get teary-eyed then, and then my wife gets all weepy, and I look over to her. I've been praying that I'd be able to keep it together here today. And I think after that prayer that Dave just delivered, I, I think I should be able to. We'll see. God is all-powerful. God is trustworthy. (laughs) God is trustworthy. God is faithful. God is the ultimate promise keeper. 
Think about his amazing work in your own life. You were dead apart from Christ. With Jesus, you are alive and a new man or a new woman. But we've got to do life God's way, individually and collectively as the body of Christ. God has always worked and always will work powerfully through people who were wholly submitted to him. You know, the Israelites, for some reason, God put it on my heart to go to the Israelites today, to go to the Old Testament as my text. The Israelites were his chosen people. And in the Old Testament, God performed miracle upon miracle for these folks. And it's just amazing how they responded, sometimes obediently, many times disobediently. So let's, let's turn to Joshua 3 today, if you would, with me. The word of the day is remember. If you don't remember anything other than about this message today, remember, remember. You're going to hear it repeatedly. Throughout the Bible, God asks his people to remember his power and the deliverance in their lives. And Joshua 3 and 4 illustrate that truth so beautifully. Thinking of Joshua 1, we remember that Moses has died and, jo- and Joshua has been commissioned as the leader of the nation. In chapter 2, we see this unique and almost strange story of Rahab and how those her family would one day be protected because of the spies going into the land and her willingness to protect them against danger in, in, in the city, in Jericho. But in chapter 3, we see something pretty remarkable that happens. And I don't know why God laid it on my heart to go to chapter 3 of of Joshua, but he did. And we'll see what words come out here today as we look at this text. Verse 1, Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out and they came to the Jordan River. Verse 6, I'm going to kind of move ahead here so I can move quickly through this and go more into the commentary on the text more than what the text is itself. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Remember the Ark, the Ark, the very presence of God, the encouragement and strength, the leading of God throughout their whole time in the desert. And here they are, they stand on the cusp of going into the promised land. All this time leading up to this point, and Joshua says, Take the Ark of the Covenant, and they did. And then God intervenes. God says in verse 7 to Joshua, he says, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So Joshua is God's chosen man to to take the people over the Jordan into into the promised land. Remember, Moses disobeyed. And... We might think it an unfair act on God's part. He doesn't get to go into the promised lands. He dies on the other side of the Jordan. But here's Joshua, commissioned as the new leader, is going to take the people into the promised land. And, and God says, I will exalt you. I don't know about you, but if God ever spoke to me that way, that, I would be pretty humbled by that. Only God really can be exalted. But in this case, he's actually pointing to Joshua as sort of a deliverer, a Christ figure. He's taking people to the promised land. And he's going to exalt him. God promises that he will. will. Verse 8, toward the end of verse 8. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, God says, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now imagine that. Here's all the people. The people at the ark. 
Go stand in the river. Go stand there. Okay, God, that seems like a strange request, but eventually they do. They go and they stand in the river. Verse 13, when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Now, lest we pass over this miraculous explanation too quickly, we, we like to go to Jericho. We like to, to tell the story of Jericho. Oh, they watch around the city. They blow a horn. The, all the, the city falls down. That's a pretty cool story. No question about it. But imagine this. Think about this. God promises them that they're going to stand in the, in the Jordan and at, at a point of his determination, he's going to do what he did with Moses at the Red Sea. He's going to stop the waters. He's going to wall them up and they're going to walk across Jordan. Pretty amazing thing. Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap. Like God said, he did what he promised. It happened. This is not a fable. This is not a story. I don't like to talk about the Bible and any part of the Bible as a story. It's a narrative. This actually happened. This is not fiction. This was occurring, a miracle that God was performing. And in verse 17, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry land, dry ground, until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Some say as many as two million people at this time. Now, do, the, do that in your head. Try to envision that. They're crossing over this river, and I've been in the Jordan River. It's not a tremendously wide river, but still, you're passing over a, a good-sized river with two million people on dry ground, as God had promised. Now, that's all leading up to my point today. That, that just sets the stage for what's happening now in chapter 4. When they finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and lay them down in the place where you will lodge tonight. So, a representative from each of the tribes of Israel, each representative was to take up a rock, and they were to take it over across the Jordan and to set those rocks down on a pile, 12 large rocks that would allow the Israelites to remember what God had done here. In verse 5, Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God with the, in the, into the midst of the Jordan and take each one of you a stone upon his shoulder. So these were big stones. I mean, imagine that you have to take up the stone on your shoulder, right? It's going to be a strong, powerful, visual representation of what the Lord has done here, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so those stones shall be the to the people a memorial forever. It's awesome. It's cool. I love these kinds of symbolic representations. Physical evidence of remembering. This is what Joshua is telling the people, these men, to do. And the people, verse 8, did just as Joshua commanded. One of those times when they actually did exactly what they asked him, he asked them to do, when he asked them to do it. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And then Joshua did something himself. He set up 
12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. So he took it upon himself as the leader of the Israelites to, to where they had stood in that water. When that water was received, this is flooding water, the time of the year when it's flooding. When the waters receded, people would know what God had done in this location. Uh, verse 10, at the end of verse 10, the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. Verse 14, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Verse 18, toward the end, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on the dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. I, I, you know, it wouldn't be cool to experience something like that. Such an amazing sign, a miraculous sign. The waters were walled up. Some as many say as many as two million people passed over the Jordan. The waters returned and overflowed the banks at this time of the year. Verse 19, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Now don't pass that by. Oh, that was an unfortunate, unfortunate pun I just used right there. This was the day, this very day, that they would have selected the Passover lamb for the Passover feast when they passed over the Jordan River. This was theirs. God was taking them where he had promised he would take them. And they were obedient, and he was delivering them into the land. Verse 20, and those 20, 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at the Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Verse 23, the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. And verse 24, the punchline, the, the most important part of the scripture that you're going to hear today, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Those are strong words. Those are awesome words. Those are words we should remember today. They're just as germane today as they were at that time. So the stones were placed by the Israelites for two reasons. So that one, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And I would ask all of you every day of your life, every morning you get up when you have breath in your lungs and you have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you acknowledge that day, every day, that the Lord, the hand of the Lord is mighty. And number two, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Not fear in a way where you're afraid. This word means to have an awe of, a respect for, an acknowledgement that he is God and you are not. He is God in your life. You must not be the God of your own life. You must allow him through the power of his Holy Spirit and the direction of his Holy Spirit to take you in the direction you should be going, not going your own way, not pursuing your own will. Joshua led the Israelites as they had passed over the Jordan River on the 10th day of the first month, the day which the Passover lamb was to be selected. In the person of Joshua, the Israelites, of course, remembered Moses. Both Moses and Joshua were deliverers. Both men were Christ figures. With Moses, we remember the 10 plagues, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, so many encounters with God. Looking back on Joshua's life, we remember his and Caleb's faith about conquering the giants of the promised land. We remember the Israelites passing here, in this case, over the Jordan River. 
We remember his leadership in battle, especially the battle that's going to come in the very next chapter in the fall of Jericho. God drew me to these passages for this parting message so I can ask you to remember. I want you to remember these things that we just heard in Scripture and things that you should never forget about Waukee Community Church. How God has worked and will continue to work through the lives of the people committing to, committed to bringing more people to Jesus Christ through the ministries of this church. Remember the vision of this church initially launched in my discussion with Denny Ogden at the Drake Diner. It's a kind of a famous part of our lore. I will never forget that in my mind's eye. It was as always as yesterday. I can remember the exact table that we, he and I were sitting at where we were talking not about forming a church, but about the business of a life, of a, of a well, essentially a life group, an ABF, an adult Bible fellowship. How can we expand this? And I said to Danny, I said, Danny, I think we ought to plant a church. He says, you know, I think I've been thinking about that too. Well, okay. All right. What do we need to do? We had no idea. We weren't church planners. We had no clue what we we're going to do. But that's where it started at the Drake Diner. Never forget, always remember Denny Ogden's tenacity. Those of you who know Denny Ogden, that word is the most apt word I can use for him. Never forget, always remember the financial acumen of Jeff Johannesson. I was so pleased that Jeff came to an independent understanding of his desire to launch a church too. I thought, this guy was the brains of the operation financially for Valley Church when we were there. God was putting the pieces together with the people that he wanted. Remember the godliness of Jim Janes. Many people in this room know Jim Janes. Just a wonderful man, a godly man. He was a role model for me, and I looked up to him, and we followed his lead. Remember the intellect and knowledge of Jack Fellers. It's hard that Jack's no longer among us. He was a good man and a good leader. These men that I just mentioned all came independently to the vision that a new church kind of church could expand the kingdom of God. Remember Blossom? <laughs> Some of us should chuckle at that because Blossom was like, that was it. That was the core of who we were. In fact, when you walk in the room, I'm so glad. Please don't ever, at least in my knowledge, don't take down the B-L-O-S-M. The, the words are over there on the wall. You come in, there's probably, other than looking at the new mission, the first thing you see after that is you see Blossom. Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love. Love God. Love others. Obey. Obey God. Obey what he's doing in your life. Serve. Right? There's a, there's a book called Simple Church. Love God, love others, serve the world. That's the whole essence of the book. I don't think we necessarily used that book. We used the Bible. We used what Jesus Christ wanted us to say through an acronym that was memorable. And multiply. You're not really a church. You're not really a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ unless you're multiplying his kingdom. We need to disciple people. And lead more people to Jesus Christ and expand the kingdom of God that way. Blossom. Some people, some people must have thought after we spent so much time on that and came out and rolled it out and probably would have said, is that all you got? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it was a lot of work. We really thought about this stuff through. I mean, we were very intentional. Our wives must have thought we were crazier than all get out because it was like a snail's pace to try to figure out where we wanted to go with this church. And we do understand through hindsight that we were too fixated on the church we did not want to be. 
There's so many ways that we would define ourselves by saying, well, we don't want to do this. We don't want to be like that. Or this is not a part of our vision. Or this is not a part of our mission. I'm not sure why we spent so much time on what we didn't want to be when we could have and should have been spending more time on what we wanted to be and should be. But we're here today. It took us 11, 11 years to get here. It's God's timing. We're here today, and I think there's a very clear understanding of who we want to be and where we want to go and what we want to do for God. Some of the things we didn't want to be, we had no desire to be a mega church. Uh, we didn't want to grow as a church and then address every challenge by hiring staff to do the ministry. In other words, the paid staff does all the work. That's wrong thinking. Everybody does the work in a church. Everybody's a minister. Everybody has a spiritual gift and has to engage that spiritual gift for God's glory. We didn't want to be consumers. That's still, I'm fixated with that idea. The number of people that come to church and sit, well, what have you done for me lately? What do you do for me? We walk out, well, I didn't feel very well fed today. Well, how much did you put into it? How much did you invest in your whole heart and soul that you were wanting to see how God was going to work through the music, through the preaching? We should have been more focused on what we did want to be. Remember, the unique way we called Pastor Dave and Clarissa. You know, most churches, what they do is they call the pastor and then they design the church. But no, a bunch of strong-willed guys. We decided we're going to design the church. We're going to come with the vision. Then we're going to find the man and the woman who would be able to execute that vision. It's, it's, wrong. it's, it's not wrong. It's just different, all right? In this case, it worked out well because Dave might not have been available initially if all things considered, it worked out the way they had. And Dave, I think you will agree, has been true to that vision from the very start. He's helped shape it and helped receive it from the Lord so that we all have a strong confidence in the direction of where this church is going. Remember Dave's love for you. He loves you sincerely. I know he loves me. That'll be a hard relationship to leave, but it will not end. I will still be in a relationship with him. He's a younger man than I, but I take my cue from him. He's my spiritual leader. He's God's man for this church, and we need to follow him. Remember how important it is not to put Dave or Clarissa up on a pedestal. They've lived their lives out in front of us, haven't they? The good, the bad, and the ugly. No, no ugly, really. Just the stuff of life, the happiness of life. We experience that together, haven't we, all of us? Because we're open to it. Isn't that the way the church is supposed to be? You know, some people, I drive crazy because of the transparency that I have and the honesty that I give and the way that I have admitted my sin in my own life, the struggles that we've had with Anna. Anna wouldn't mind if I would say that right now. You did life with me during the worst part of that. And I'm grateful to know that Hannah's in a direction where she's moving off. She has the Lord. She's still got a ways to go. But this church, this body has meant so much to us in that regard too. Remember, we initially wanted not to tie up financial resources and debt associated with lands or buildings. So we stayed in Prairie View School too long, right? It's easy for us to probably see that now. But at the time, it seemed smart. It seemed wise. We had money that we could be freed up to do ministry. I think Peter gave a wonderful testimony of this in the last month, the way he described how that whole thing morphed into where we are today and why we're going over this building directly to the north. Remember faith in action. 
these are some of the most meaningful days of my life. It wasn't just Sundays either. I mean, if you were crazy like some of us, we were going out any day of the week. Somebody called to go out and help somebody. And the people would say, well, how much do I owe you? Or do I have to go to your church? No, you don't know us anything. You don't have to go to our church, but we want to be Jesus to you. And if you want to come to our church, fine. If you want to go to another church, do that. Embrace Jesus as Lord. The, the raking and the cleaning and the sweeping and the, and the handing out of food and the handing out of water bottles, that was all secondary to just being in relationship with people and pouring into the lives of people. Remember young life and young lives and wildlife. I mean, these crazy names, the strategic partnership that we have. Look at how that, those ministries are impacting people in our midst, but also many, many, many more people not in our midst. Sometimes we forget that because they're out of sight, they're out of mind, but let's not keep them out of mind. This church is impacting people that way. Remember the baptisms. I don't know, for some reason, the baptisms in the crisis back. There was a baptism we had in the backyard pool. Remember that? Some of you were there. Remember the baptisms over at the Y? The, the old, well, the old Y and the new Y. We had baptisms in both places. Remember the fishes, the most recent baptisms in the new Waukee Community Church Event Center right there <laughs> where we dunked those three kids and they publicly declared Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. We can't take that for granted. We've got to remember these things. We can't just let it pass over. Remember the beautiful Christmas Eve services and Good Friday observances. You may not remember any specific details, but I, I, those were always very meaningful to me. Remember life groups, the member of your, members of your life groups. I will never forget every member of my life groups. I've thoroughly enjoyed every person in fact, for the last two years, one of the highlights of my week in driving back and forth between Oskaloosa and here is to come home on Wednesday evenings, A, to see my wife, because I haven't seen her for a couple days, but B, to see my life group members and to love them and to have them love me. Remember Pastor Jeff Alexander and his emphasis on missional living. Don't forget that. That's an important piece of learning and teaching that he gave to us. Remember life transformation groups. Discipling groups which call all of us to the inconvenience and sloppiness of authentic life together. You know, when you risk relationship, you also risk the sloppiness of life. But it's worth it. Even if you get burned, it's worth it. Because God calls us to be in relationship and disciple other people. Remember servant owners. That's a very unique word for this church. Not many churches, maybe we're the only church that refers to deacons as servant owners, and I think it's a beautiful expression of that vision. It's amazing in, a, in such a small church that a large percentage of people own the ministries of this church that way, the servant owners. You're they, you are they. Remember our mission, bringing people together to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and give like Jesus. Remember this church's unconditional commitment to the Word of God. Don't ever forget that. Always remember that. And always hold Dave accountable to that. I know he's absolutely, unconditionally committed that the word of God would be preached boldly here at Waukee Community Church. Desire it, thirst for it, ask for it. I remember Quentin Steve telling me once, and I probably used this phrase before, once upon a time, that the, the, that the responsibility of the senior pastor, the guy who, or, that does most of the preaching, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So if you ever feel afflicted, because of the word of God, not because he's trying to make you feel guilty, because I've never heard him once make me feel guilty, but I felt guilty 
at times when I walk away from his preaching, then I needed to feel guilty because the Holy Spirit was directing me to be convicted about some truth that I needed in my life to change and to be more like Jesus. Remember our motives. We don't probably talk about these things enough, but I want to mention them today. Grace-filled authenticity, transformational relationships, steadfast dependence on God. I know we talk a lot about that. And boldly going. I think you're going to hear a lot more about boldly going in the days, weeks, months ahead. Remember how we measure our progress. These are things we'll probably hear more about in the future too. Being fully present in others' lives. Serving others willingly and cheerfully and gospel fluency in everyday conversations. Remember the beauty of community in this building since we've moved over here. It's been a breath of fresh air, hasn't it? We are here, it's more intimate, it's more personal. We have the kitchen, we've got the food, we've got the sound all set up. We don't have the rigors and the fatigue of set up and tear down. It's a beautiful thing. And at some point, this room should be busting so much at the seams when we're ready to move over there that we don't have enough space over there even after it's built out. That would be my prayer. Remember the obvious confirmation and peace of the vision moving this church forward. The avenue. I mean, Dave, we prayed. The elders looked at properties right and left all over the city. And then one day, Dave looks out over the out of his window. He says, well, what about that building? <laughs> well, what about that building? Uh, we, we sat, how many elder meetings in that, looking out that window and I've, I looked at Jane coming and working out, running with her colleagues at Farrell's, and not one of us thought about that. In fact, Jerry Chapman had been praying for that very building for years before we even thought about it. That's God's peace, God's confirmation about that building, the avenue. Remember all the ways that God has stirred his people to give sacrificially and joyfully over the phases of this fundraising, fundraising campaign. How does a little body like ours raise that much money in such a short period of time? It can only be explained by God. It's God. That's amazing to me. In fact, remember that Chuck Brooks generously seeded the building fund with monies at his death. We had this pot of money. I don't, you know, it was like not huge, but there were several, I think several thousand dollars in this pot. And that was, we, we just kept it there. One day, I mean, this was many years ago, one day we were going to use that money, and now we are. Amazing. Remember our strong desire. This is one thing, I, this is a kind of a, not a shot, but a parting reminder to everybody. Our desire was to always to plant at least one more church. Please remember that. I know the old elders will not forget, but I want to call on all of you to remind us. The idea is not to get so large and become this big club. This is, we're the happening place, Waukee Community Church. This is the place to be. Well, it's okay to the extent that we're all looking at Jesus and worshiping Jesus, but just because it's a, if, if you want to make it a club and make it about, I'm a part of something really cool, that's not what it's about. That's not at all what it's about. And at some point, when the numbers get large enough and you can see places where pockets of people are placed and you need to, then you need to plant a church. That's always been my desire. And if it doesn't happen, that's not, God, not, that's not God's will. That's fine. But I don't want us to forget that. All the things I just told you about, and so many more things, I'm sure I could, I, those are the things I remembered. If I called an open mic right now, which we're not going to do because we'll never get to the, the, the meeting because of that, you could tell story after story of the things that impacted you that you remember. And I just want you to make, hold those in your heart and to never forget, God did all of these things in 11 years.
And now with the Stouffer's departure to South Carolina, the last family stands. There they are. I don't know where Jeff is. He's out somewhere. Jeff's in the back. <laughs> the, last, the last original family on that first day on that Palm Sunday will be the Johannesons. And I'm grateful for their friendship. I'm grateful. I mean, we've known each other for years. I mean, Jeff and I came to know the Lord because of, in a weird way, at a church that's totally non-Bible believing because that was all about God. I praise God for all of the people of Waukee Community Church. In the New Testament, God brought his plan into place with Jesus and our lives have never been the same. Remember, you once were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. Remember, you walked in darkness, but now you walk in light. Remember, you lived in falsehood. You served the father of lies who comes to steal and destroy but now you follow truth. Jesus is the truth that comes to give you life in full. Remember, you were dead in your own trespasses, but now Jesus has given you life. Remember, this is no game. This is real life. There is a lot at stake. More people need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. If you were passing by a swimming pool and somebody was drowning, you'd figure out a way to get in and rescue that person from drowning. But because this person's standing on dry ground and is literally drowning, we pass by those people as though they're, we don't even care. I know it's not an intentional thing, but we need to get more intentional about leading more people to Jesus Christ as the answer in their lives. And the avenue is the vision which will draw more people from Waukee to Jesus Christ. With all of my heart, I want to repeat that again. With all of my heart, just for emphasis, I mean this sincerely. I believe God is in the vision for the avenue. I believe he will grow this church through conversion growth. I'm not sure how he's going to do it yet. That's the cool thing about church and about life is just waiting to see how it's going to unfold. But I believe he will do so because that's the God we serve. That's the God I just gave exposition of from Joshua 3 and Joshua 4. Moses was the leader during the first Passover. The barrier of the Red Sea was removed by God. Joshua led the Israelites over the Jordan on the day that, it, that, that called for the selection of the Passover lamb. The barrier of the Jordan River was removed by God. Jesus was the Passover lamb who took away the sins of the world at the point of his sacrifice on the cross. The power of God caused the curtain of the temple to be torn asunder. And now, as a result... All of us have immediate access to God. We are people without excuse. The barrier between man and God was removed by God. The stone, the stone, the stone was rolled away from the tomb, Jesus' tomb. And the barrier to temporal life was removed by God. For those of us who knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, everlasting life is ours. Now, now our earthly shells will wear out yeah, we'll die an earthly death, but we are everlasting beings. If you know Lord uh, Jesus is Lord of your life, you are ever, you're already experiencing what you'll know for eternity into the future. The people of Waukee Community Church and all the members of the body of Christ need to be living stones so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you, can, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So know that hand, know that his hand is mighty. 
have awe and respect for the Lord your God forever. This is all about God. It is not about you. This is all about God in your life. It's not about you. Draw close to him. Abide in him. Acknowledge his power. Be led by his Holy Spirit and have a sincere reverence and awe for him. Remember. Let's pray. Father, as the uh, worship team comes up to sing one more song, hallelujah, what a savior. Let us sing it with all of our hearts to mean those words in our lives. Lord, we're so grateful for your power. You truly are a mighty God. We acknowledge your hand in our own lives individually and in this church collectively. And we pray that we would always have an awe, a healthy respect for you in our lives, that we would acknowledge you as the Lord and Savior of our lives. Father, today uh, we celebrate all that you've done here and we look forward to all that you're going to do in the future. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray and all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen.